Hey everybody, welcome to Commercial Construction Elevate the Industry podcast series hosted by yours truly, Dave Presida. Thanks for joining us today. The purpose of the podcast is to help everyone from owner to intern in commercial construction understand the industry better so you can make the best decisions about where you want to go in the business and how you're going to get there. We're going to do that two ways. You're going to be hearing individual episodes by me. I've been doing this for a long time as well as from industry leaders, people who have influenced and changed our business. Today, we're fortunate to have someone who I would put in that category, a founder and principal of Source One Business Services, a good friend, Larry Reagan. Welcome, Larry. Thank you, Dave. Good to be here. Awesome. Listen, uh, for people that don't know you, why don't you talk about what your company does today, and then we'll go back into history a bit. Okay, today we're... Uh... We're known as Source One Business Services. Uh, the name is hopefully fitting because it's beyond the accounting and tax work that we do, we've become, uh, I would say, the consultants for 99% of our clients, business consultants. So I've known Larry for a long time and I always, I always you know, describe you as an accountant who's a businessman. And there's nothing wrong with accounting. There's a lot of accounting we need them. But you see the business through the eyes of a businessman. I think that's great. And that's got to be why you've been successful, you and your group, in, in uh, you know, consulting services. Now, you started out, when did you start? How did you start the business? Um, so the original founding of this company was back in the 80s, actually. And we, we became, became an expert, I would say, in construction accounting because at the time, the bonding and insurance guys that were out there trying to write bonds for our clients couldn't get a financial statement on the proper method of accounting, and we had learned to do that. So they relied on us to provide financial statements for construction contractors that were in a specific format. And that format allowed them to uh, get bonds for their mostly federal government contractors. And from that point, um, we would also do the construction tax planning, the construction tax compliance work. So you, you've you kind of morphed from the financial services, right? Creating good, and that's where I met you, by the way, with the, the bonding piece. Correct. Uh, with the bonding and insurance kind of got you started. Of course, you did tax planning and so on. But since then, the evolution has been more toward consulting like a KPMG, like a mini KPMG. Correct. I would say a maxi KPMG. <laughs> of course. <laughs> no question. So you said the construction industry. You specialize in that? Yes, we do. Do you know how many clients you've had over the years, roughly? It, it has to be a thousand or more over the years. Most of our clients are still with us. So you've seen the good, the bad, and the other, right? I've seen it all. <laughs> You know, I've been in the construction industry for a long time, and, and I say in one of my previous podcasts, what makes construction different? But I want to hear from your perspective. Like, what are the nuances of if, if, a, if you were if you're a business owner, you have a choice to go into retail or construction and you go into construction. What are, what are the things you're looking at that are that are different, that are tough? Well, you know, I always joke that construction guys don't have to be gamblers because they get enough of it every morning when they wake up. But in general, the construction industry is required to estimate a project, give you a fixed price on that project, and then perform that project. That's quite 
a different world than selling a, a, a smoothie in a, in a mall. So it's now, very high risk. And on the accounting side, work in progress, percentage of completion, these are nebulous and moving parts, right? That is correct. And I've seen companies, as they grow, they can manipulate their work in process. The cash flow continues because they're constantly overdoing new jobs. As they grow, right, they're, they're sustained, it's sustainable. But once a problem hits, then everything comes crashing down. So I've, have you seen that in any of your clients? We have seen that because we are aware of that potential dynamic. We counsel them regularly about their work in progress. And we, and we make sure they have a realistic view of, of exactly what you're saying on the forecast. So being a construction specialist, uh, is there any sector within construction that you guys major in? I would say not. We have all the trades. We have the general contractors so, and the developers. So we have- You have heavy uh, highway? We do. So you got you run the gamut? Yeah, we run the gamut. Now, do you do you think you get clients mostly by referral these days? Most of our clients early on were referred by these insurance and bonding guys that needed our financial statements. I would say in 2021, most of our referrals come from our clients that want to refer their friends to us. So tell me about your business and how it's made up. You have th two or three partners. I have two partners. Two partners. So do you guys are you complimentary? Do you have your own area of expertise? How, how does that work? I would say that we're actually the same person and they all have the exact same talents and we're, we're dealing with our clients. Hopefully they would we'd be interchangeable. Interesting. Yes. Interesting because I, I know one of the things I always mention is when, when people are starting a business, what I tell them, this is exactly the opposite of what you just said. I said, you want to, if you want to bring on a partner, bring on somebody that does what you don't do. But all you're saying is, is you have three people who are competent in most of the areas you deal with your clients in. It's just a matter of splitting up the clients. Couldn't have said it better. Exactly. Good. So when you're talking about uh, and you know really key issues, bonding is one of them. And what would you recommend to a company, a young company, let's say, there's a guy that's been in business for two years, and he's mostly getting paid every couple of weeks because he's not real big yet. And now he's looking to get a bond. What what do you recommend? And you know, what would your advice be to somebody like that? First bond. Uh, you know, typically we have to at least see what financial condition they're in. Uh, because we've been doing this so long, we can predict whether they're even gonna be able to get a bond. And then lastly, we match them up with a, with a someone in that bond industry that can help them. There's, there are good matches, as you know, for our clients. Some, so some connect, are better than others. You connect a bonding company that you think suits the needs of this. It might not be a AAA, let's say. It might be maybe a, a well, who knows? But not, it might not be Zurich, you know, for a $2 million bond. Correct. Yeah. So, and, that, and that's part of what you've garnered through the years, those relationships, not only with the clients, but with the bonding companies. That's how you kind of got started with this thing. Right, I think the bonding companies have always relied on us and our financial statements to know they're gonna get an so accurate product. The bonding companies trust you? Yes. Why? Because we are very accurate and we are very helpful. And we don't, uh, we were talking earlier about the work in progress excitement and we're pretty careful 
to make sure those numbers are correct, as correct as they can be. And the binding companies appreciate that because I'm getting talking too much shop here, but the work in progress schedule is really what they live on. They're, they're, they're looking at that every time you get from a financial statement. So we're trying to pre-screen it from our clients and make sure it's in a condition that's believable and it's accurate. Every construction company, you know, has an accounting firm. What would you, for the listeners, what would you say are the key things that a business owner should be looking at to get from an accounting firm? Aside of the, you know, what, what would you say that they would be? How would you prioritize those things? That's a great question. I think that the, uh, the stock answer would be, he has to be really good at taxes and he has to be really good at putting your financials together. But I don't even believe that. I think what you have to be is you have to become a partner with the business owner and you have to, and you will build a relationship with them because you care about your client. And that's far more important than the other work we do, even though that certainly has a value. So what I'm hearing is one of the things that sets you apart is not only your technical ability, but it's your understanding that relationships go a long way in this business. They do. You know, you, for, for guys like me, my doctor, my lawyer, and my accountant, there's no holdings barred. So the relationship and the trust is critical. It is. Okay, we're gonna take a short break and we'll be back in a few minutes with more from Larry Reed. Elevate, elevate, elevate. Hi, I'm Patrick Ripple, founding partner of ISA Architectural. I've known that chap right there for well over 20 years. And what a 20 years it's been. I'm Larry Windsor, yeah. partner, vice president of construction services. Our third partner, Mike Morehouse, can't be with us today. We are the Mid-Atlantic's premier sales force for architectural building products and engineered architectural solutions. For over 15 years, we have been providing comprehensive design solutions to architects and designers all across this region and high quality economic product solutions to contractors and subcontractors too. We bring products and people together. We specialize in the building envelope, everything from the weather barrier all the way out to different types of cladding. We fully understand the rain screen principle and we have an interior portfolio specializing in wood and metal walls and ceilings. If you're a developer, part of a design team, architect or interiors, or if you're a contractor, let us help you. Visit www.isaarchitectural.com and see how we can bring value to your project. So welcome back. We're here with the principal and founder of Source One Business Services, Larry Reagan. Larry, uh, you've been doing this a long time. A long time, Just about as long as I have. Uh, which begs the question, new business. Are you constantly trying to cultivate new businesses? Like, and I'm not talking about getting businesses that are mature because I know you do that. What about new companies that are starting up? The new companies that are starting up could become your best clients one day because um, most of those new companies would really benefit from our experience with 40 years of business. And when they come out of the shoot, they can skip a lot of mistakes that people make by uh, hopefully our guidance, the lawyer's guidance, and so on. So when I, in our podcast this season, when we talk about starting a business, I, I hit this hard about being more well represented by just what you said, your attorney, your accountant. Some people dismiss that, but just a simple business plan 
How important is a business plan, especially if somebody wants to get outside financing? Most, uh, you know, most clients do not create a true strategic business plan, and they should. I think one of the uh, reasons that we're talking about financing, like a bank would ask for that, because they're basically telling you that's something you should do as a business person. It's not just a requirement from the bank. It's something that every business should at least have some semblance of. So I, I always say that I want to see that plan because if somebody were to come to me and say, hey, I want you to be part of my business, whether they wanted money or not, I want to know if they have thought about it, if they understand it, if they can you know, put it in a narrative, if they really do understand it. Now, the numbers side is where, you know, part of where you come in. Um, the same thing with an attorney, but let's talk about a mature business. Okay. I've been I've, I've been with two public companies and a big private company after my own company. And I will say this, none of those companies had a strategic business plan. Now, as a consultant for these companies, would you recommend that these companies adopt a plan? I, I recommend two things. One, that they adopt the plan. And two, that they don't put the plan somewhere. Right. Because it's a living document. It needs to be worked every year. It needs to be modified and revised accordingly. I think, uh, like many of these projects, people go through the process and then they put it down. And then 10 years later, it's not the world is nothing like what it was. And it should be revised or should be at least updated. So it's a living document. I like that description. Um, there are companies that do. Unfortunately, these are not typically privately held companies because the owner owners don't always, you know, give a hoot. They want to know what they made. There's a lot more than that. So where there's accountability, there are plans because without the plan, it's hard to keep people accountable. So the public companies, man, they had them ad nauseum, right? They had plans out there almost too much. But um, what what kind of advice would you give a business owner whose business is flat in a growing market? His business is flat in a growing market. And that's a very broad question, but how would you, how would you go about dissecting that problem? Uh, well, first we would speak to the industry that the business is flat. So we're going to make an assumption that it's a construction business, real estate business. So from that assumption, obviously, we're looking at hundreds of financial statements. We know the market. So if we see someone is not performing according to the market, we have a relationship with that particular client and we can usually express that, that point to them. And I would tell you that if I had to look back, 99% of it is just recruiting some different talent internally. It's, it's, there's no secret. You need good people. You know, you brought up something that that is probably overlooked, but a lot of people don't realize. You pull back the curtains on hundreds of companies. So what you're saying is, you know, you know what's achievable. I do. Okay, and when you build relationships with these companies, you understand how they operate, what they do well, what they don't do well. I bet you that you have a good idea of even what industries. Right, a general industry could be excavating, it could be drywall, it could be cheap uh, general contracting. You probably know where they should be in terms of you know net operating profit. Is that fair to say? That is very fair to say. So that's pretty. I would say that's pretty important as a consultant because you have so much other stuff to draw on. Now, uh, 
We're going to take a quick break, but when we get back, we're going to take this conversation into mergers and acquisitions. We're going to talk about valuation. Certainly. See you in a minute. So welcome back. Uh, we're going to talk to Larry about mergers and acquisitions. So on a global scale, you do it. Okay, how many deals have you done? Total, probably 80, 85. 80 deals representing the who? Buyer and seller. Buyer and seller. Uh, what else do you do? Do you do you consult, uh, you know, without either recommending at all? Or do you prep them? Do you get their financials ready? Like if somebody were, were watching this and they were thinking about buying a company, you would be the company to go to to say, hey, well, what, what would you offer them? There's There are several ways that we would be involved. Uh, theoretically, every company should be in condition to be sold and should have records and a presentation to outsiders as if they were going to be sold. What would be the downside of not having that attitude never thought about that. towards your business? In the real world, not everyone can devote that much time or prioritize it. So that, that ebbs and flows. But in the times where there are transactions available, you should be thinking, my books need to be presented properly. My balance sheet needs to be clean. Things like that are very helpful. Not that you shouldn't do them every day, but that's not realistic. It should be known in all transparency that Larry works very closely with me in my own sales and acquisitions efforts. And um, what what I think, what I see you bring to me and other <laughs> business owners is just that you bring a, a reasonable, practical knowledge of not only you know what makes sense financially, but what buyers in particular are looking for. Now, here's a good example. You talk about work in process. You talk about overbillings. Now, a company may want to increase overbillings to maybe reduce taxes. Okay. But but if, if they're being looked at as you know a potential purchase, that may work against them, right? That could work against them. Can you explain that? Well, I would say throughout any contractor's annual uh, filings they're they have a financial statement they're trying to help the bonding company get more bonds they want more bonds the way to do that is have a financial statement that looks like you're ready to be a public company but they don't want to pay taxes on that basis they want to pay taxes as if they're getting ready to file chapter 11 in the morning so that is a conflict <laughs> the good news is there is a legal way to do both good so there are accounting methods for financial statements there are accounting methods for tax returns and they shouldn't be the same and there's a lot of things you can do that make one better and not harm the other. So as a matter of fact, when we first started, uh, if, if a bonding company saw that the tax return was on the same method of accounting as the financial statement, we would get a call. They didn't understand all the nuances, but they knew that wasn't right. right. So even in today's market, if someone is thinking about selling their company, they may have to do some things to preserve income, and the balance sheet that typically would be anti-tax related. And we help them balance that. It, it has a balance. So that's part of the prep work you do. I know that you do for me and, and for, for others. Uh, matter of fact, we were just, we just did a deal together a few months ago where a company, great company, great company, the books weren't great. Tell us about what you did. Well, the company was great. The results of operations were fantastic. The books weren't ready for prime time, but they their internal accounting staff was great. 
So all we did was take the books and records that they ran their company with every day and put it into a format that a public company would appreciate during their due diligence process. And it was a very easy transaction because A, the company was good, and B, the records were there. They just needed to be, I would say, tidied up. So part of what we do when we get involved in brokering a deal and we represent the seller is that our job, and, and particularly is where Larry comes in, is that we make sure that their books are, are right, as you just described. We make sure that we get them the most that, that you know, the sale can yield and that they keep the most of that, right? And not have to pay, you know, more than they need to legally in taxes. Correct. It sounds simple, but it's not because we're involved in several deals right now where it's not that easy. You think a company is on, you know, companies are great companies. They've been around for years, but just a couple small things with the way they, they, um, they derive their numbers at year end or whenever the truck, the trailing 12 months has a big impact when you're talking about multiples. That's right. So every dollar in income might be worth five hours, but it's got to be in the right basket. That's right. That's why, and I don't know that. That's why, that's why you're doing this kind of stuff. Um, you've been involved in a bunch of deals, mostly in the construction business. Mostly. And you said owners, you represent the buyers and the sellers. You also do the prep work. Uh, anything else that you would say that differentiates your firm when you talk about M&A? Well, I think when it comes to M&A, the most important part is that we are industry specialists. And I'm not saying that it's Larry. I'm saying my, our entire firm has people like me here. So when a buyer is speaking with us, they know right away that we know what we're doing. And it gives credibility to the seller. Our client gets some credibility from the fact that he brought this account to the table. And it, it does pay dividends. And, and, the, and if I'm speaking with a controller of a publicly traded company, I'm, I'm going to pretty much have a chance to either shine and make our client look great, or I'm going to disappoint them. And they're going to be, I guess, the information that they get after that point is depending on the impression that we make in the original meeting. Well, I'll say this because I've been on conference calls with Larry and big public companies are looking to buy people that we represent. And uh, the nice thing about you, and I won't embarrass you, but is that you have a great way of value and you, you never put off the buyer. Even if the buyer's wrong, you have a good way of saying, hey, you might want to look at it this way instead of, you know, jumping down his throat. Right. Anyway, uh, we're going to be back in a second to talk about what I think is, well, what is the lifeblood of any construction business, and that's financing. Elevate, elevate, elevate. Hey, everybody, if you're looking for a strategic business partner who does subcontracting work on the interiors, let me tell you about the CFP group. They are a minority business enterprise and have been in business for over 20 years. If you're interested, you can contact them by email at cfpgroup1 at gmail.com or call them directly at 410-977-8568. That's 410-977-8568. Take it from me. I've done business with them and I know they can get the job done. Hey, welcome back. We're here with Larry Reagan, founder and principal of Source One Business Services. So Larry, let's talk about the lifeblood of a construction company and that's cash flow. You can say financing or whatever, but cash flow. Why is it so difficult to fund the construction business? Um, I would say that the most difficult piece of funding is that the 
contractors who are bonded, this is very technical, but the contractors who are bonded, it's difficult for a bank to lend that client money because the bonding company has a first right to all of these receivables. So where I can have a client with $10 million in an outstanding accounts receivable, and a typical line of credit could be 80% of that, all those receivables are spoken for by the bonding company, and therefore the banks are hesitant to come in and finance a construction company based on their outstanding receivables. So basically for like a dumb construction guy like me, you it makes it harder to borrow when you have bonded work because no bank is going to take, now they don't like taking second position to the bonding company. A dumb guy like you just said it very well. Exactly. So, <laughs> so that said, right, what about just the payment terms like in relation to other industries? The payment terms are not good. The payment term for when you're your guy in the field, let's say you're 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 a trade, you're a subcontractor, you're your guy in the field sticks a shovel in the ground to when you pay him to when you get paid for him sticking the shovel in the ground are painful. I mean, 90 days you'd be doing backflips. So it's very difficult to cash flow. Secondly, most of our subs have some level of retainage being held on their work, and that's straight cash flow. They, they can't, I haven't found anybody that can hold retainage on the labor force yet. I think that's not going to go over. I haven't, haven't seen that. No. Yet, no. So pretty much you're paying 100% of the bills and you have some fraction of that being taken out of your requisition every month. So imagine if your boss said, hey, I'm going to pay you, but I'm going to hold 10% of your check. You think that would work? That's what construction companies do that every day, right? <laughs> so... I give an example. If you have you know ten guys on a job and it's a thousand bucks a week, that's four thousand or a thousand bucks a week. Ten guys is, for four weeks is forty grand. Right. That's just one job, and right. that's just one month. Now you put your wreck at the end of the month, and then you, another month they look at it, and then they pay you the month that you know in the middle of the month after that. That could be like a hundred thousand dollars. It's crazy, but it, that's what construction is now. How do you help companies get bank financing? Just with good financials. It's, there's three ways to get good bank financing. One is have a great company. Then they don't, you don't need it. Right. But you have a great company and they have a substantial amount of retained earnings. The banks are more willing to lend them money. They might not need it, but of course they're they're not really relied 100 percent on their on their outstanding accounts receivable to get a get a loan. The second way is we do have some clients that aren't completely reliant on the bonding companies. And therefore, their receivables could be in play to help us go borrow money from a bank. As a factor. Yeah, some sort of asset-based borrowing, correct. Then thirdly, not that we're special, but any accounting firm that has a relationship with a bank, the bank is going to be more comfortable with that particular client. So it helps to make sure your CPA has a relationship with the bank to start with. You're not, you're not some new guy with a new CPA going to a bank for the first time. It's just not human nature to be comfortable with that situation. So it's important and it brings up the question that part of the value of what you bring and what, you know, there are other companies that have been around and are good. Yes. And there's nothing wrong with a new accounting firm. However, if you want to go into a bank or a bonding company, it would make sense to go to a company that has the relationships where the bank and the bonding companies trust the numbers. I think so. Basically what you're saying. Now, you can get terms, you can get payment terms, but it's going to cost you. So if a client came to you and said, look, Larry, uh, I've got a big, I got 40 guys on a job and it's killing me. 
and I can't get paid for 75 days, they offer me two and a half percent to get paid the following 10. So if you bill on January 31st, you get paid the following 10. What would you do? What would you do to advise them? Well, that would be simple math. So that's the good news. It's not a lot of work to advise it. And if all that worked, you do it. And if, if you know, even if it's close, you probably may have to do it. But in general, those, those agreements are very difficult to, to make the numbers make sense. You usually aren't, you usually spend too much money on that percentage that you're gaining. Could you be a short term fix. Very short term. Right. And uh, it's, it's interesting because like you said, it's just a math equation. But the one thing that people don't maybe understand as a contractor, I do, which is it's a lot safer when you have your money. They have a lot less, even if you're paying for it, they have a lot less leverage if you have your money. The worst thing you want to be is a contractor who's owed a half a million dollars on a job and they want you to do something you don't want to do, right? So it's it's about money for sure. It's about the cost of the money on the short term, but it's also about, you know, kind of measuring your risk too. Yes. Um, creative financing. I had to do it. Right. When you when you go and you get terms from a customer, which like we just talked about, uh, these are things. Would you would you advise your clients like to improve their cash flow? What would you advise your clients to do when they're negotiating a contract? Anything? I would say that in this, this is maybe a lazy answer, but in this geography, Everybody knows everybody. Everybody's read everyone's contract a thousand times. There's not that much room to change the deal. But I can tell you that operationally, they can make sure that there's not a reason to get paid that month. If you forget to put the doorknob on, you think they're going to cut the requisition for the doorknob or for a lot more. So my experience is it's more, more important to watch the field. Make sure that there's not a reason not to pay your requisition. That's good advice. Yeah. That's good advice. Now, do you ever get involved with schedules of values? And I'm not talking budgets because they're two different things. Helping companies craft their schedule of values so they can get they can get more power. Or let's say, what about terms with suppliers? Right? If they extend the terms. Do you see much of that these days? Because I did both. Well, we see that and we absorb it. But I think that Maybe our client base has been there also around a long time. So most of those clients are doing that as, as, a, as second nature almost at this point. It's not like we're going in and giving, giving them that advice for the first time. They know the drill and they're taking advantage of all those opportunities or options. So when a, when a manufacturer or supplier wants your business, you can, you can negotiate, stretch the term out a little bit. That might affect your price. But again, it's all about cash flow because you well, you know this. You can go out of business and be making money, right? You become insolvent. You can't pay your bills, but you're profitable. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> that's the, but that's the construction business. So let's change the subject here. Uh, let's talk about Larry, the, the human being. Uh, I know you're into sports, but I understand someone told me that you actually play the guitar. Is that right? Long time ago. How long ago? Before I was an accountant, I actually was a professional musician. Tell me about that. I played guitar that. every day. You what? I played guitar every day. I had a job and I played every day. So what kind of music, John? Well, at the time it was club music. It was just, 
whatever it was back in the 70s, and that's what I played. That's amazing. So did you play hard rock? No, I played, I would say, whatever that was, top 40. Top 40. That's yes. Did you yes. play No, I played electric guitar. Electric guitar. Did you have your own band? I'm a fan of jazz. But so here's an account <laughs> for rock star, man. That's awesome. Right. So what about what about other hobbies? Golf and tennis. Yep. I have a beautiful family, of course. Yep. Kids. I don't want to brag, but I just had a grandson about six hours ago. Congrats. Well, that's congrats worthy. Congratulations. <laughs> well, that's awesome. How many kids do you have? I have three girls and five grandchildren. Awesome. Congrats. So how you. you know, one of the things that we that I say most men struggle with is the work life balance. Correct. How do you manage that? How have, you, how have you managed that over the years? Because your business revolves, ebbs and flows, right? It changes. Here you are today. Um, how have you managed that? Well, the person I should be thanking is not here today. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's very difficult, I think, for, for anybody, uh, husband or wife. But Kathy, my wife, has been 100% supportive, and she's really managed the, the balance better than probably I have. I think the good news is for people today, you're looking at a, a more electronic world. When you and I first started, if you needed to do something, you had to get in your car and go there. You have, you have no other option. I remember being on the phone, these sleazy phones on the side of 95, right? Stopping <laughs> and having to talk on the phone for an hour and not being able to do something. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yes. And I think that's, those old days are, they're, I'm glad they're gone. But they kept you from having the balance that we could have today a lot easier, I think. Speaking of which, COVID, as nasty as it is, it's changed business. Would you agree? Probably permanently. Yeah. So for clients in the office tenant fit-out business, what would you say? Oh, look at the time. <laughs> I would say that I would say there's a lot of that work in backlog, and there's a lot of that work spoken for in development plans. So I really can't predict where that's going to go. It seems currently it's going to come to a halt, right? But maybe we'll all get back to it again one day. People will enjoy going to their offices. Or they become or experts blood. in demountables or something that's, you know, more flexible. Who knows? I mean, people are, I, I think, I think that people are going to uh, congregate less in an office, but they're going to be there, right? The space may mm -hmm. shrink, but it's going to be there because working remotely, I think is great. But working remotely 100% of the time, I don't think it is. I think there's, a, again, there's a balance. So it will change. And I agree with you about the pent up, you know, the backlog. People say, well, you know, you want, your business must be suffering. It's crazy. There's so much work out there right now. You know, it took a little delay because of COVID. A couple of jobs got delayed three months, right. but they're still being built. Right. You know, so I hope that holds true for the rest of the country, but it's certainly here in D.C. Yeah. So, Larry, for those interested in what you do and how you do it and want to get a hold of you, how do they do that? Uh, you can contact us on the web, source1businessservices.com. Also, feel free to call my cell phone, 410-371-7788, 24-7. pick up. He won't pick up right away, but I guarantee you he'll pick up. Anyway, listen, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your story. It's really cool. I love working with you. I can't wait to do more. Thank you, Dave. Awesome. And uh, thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed our interview with Larry. Don't hesitate to contact him. 
As always, stay safe and stay tuned. So follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Elevate Industry. Check out my YouTube channel at Commercial Construction, Elevate the Industry. Visit my website, adicorp.com, A-D-I-C-O-R-P.com. Go to LinkedIn, search for David Proceda, hit connect and follow me. Please rate, review, and comment on this episode. And I look forward to seeing you next week. All the music for the episodes, including our theme song, Elevate, is provided by DMV producer Trey Skills. If you like what you heard, follow Trey Skills on Instagram at Trey Skills, T-R-E-Y-S-K-I-L-L-Z. That's T-R-E-Y-S-K-I-L-L-Z. Elevate. Elevate.